0: God is so good. Thank you, team. What a great uh, place to start this morning, thinking about, singing about, spending time in um, celebrating God's love. In fact, that's really the theme for today because when uh, believers, when the church, when the body of Christ shares in God's love and his hope, there's a connection. There's a, a joyful connection that is made that uh, is unmistakable, and it's a taste, a foretaste of heaven for us, and that's what we're going to celebrate today. We're into this book of 1 Thessalonians, the book of 1 Thessalonians, where uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about an amazing, phenomenal, fantastic church, a church that, as you read about it, you just say, I want to be a part of that kind of fellowship I want to be a part of that t- kind of church. In fact, we can learn from it today and say, I want to help create that kind of fellowship here in Thurston County, here at Capital Vision. So we're going to talk about when hope is shared, when leaders and church members, when God's people together share a common hope in Jesus Christ, there is a, um, de- an, and a desired outcome. There's This um, joy that comes from that, and we're going to examine that today. So we're talking about when hope is shared. If you've got your notes with you, I've jotted down the scriptures and just kind of torn them apart. We're just going to dig into chapter 3, verses 6 through 13 today, those couple of verses. And you probably note, uh, we've been using this background, but you kind of note the uh, flag and the uh, soldier behind it to, to memorialize Memorial Day and a chance that we have to, uh, to reflect and, uh, and give tribute to those that I said earlier made and have taken the ultimate uh, sacrifice for us. So um, when hope is shared, hope shared encourages. And you know me, this is one of my favorite words. In courage. And it has this idea of placing courage inside somebody else. And when you have hope when you have the hope of Christ in your life, it's difficult not to share that hope and to encourage other people. What we're talking about here is mutual encouragement. Do you know what I mean by that? It's not a one-sided encouragement. Let me be an encouragement to you. But as the body of Christ always works this way, as I'm an encouragement to you, guess what? You turn around and become an encouragement to me. Mutual hope Always mutually encourages. It's not a one-way, one-sided benefit. It's always both-sided, and you'll see that today, as we see this apostle just gaining so much encouragement as he's been able to encourage the believers and to pour into um, into their lives. And so he uh, he elaborates and spends some time. Remember, this is the apostle Paul's baby church. This is a church that he went to Thessalonica and he spent time for three weeks loving on them. And I can't believe the amount of teaching that he must have gotten through because he's, he's talking about the, the future, Christ's return. He must have t- taught them a lot about that. He's talking about the Trinity. He must have taught them about the Godhead. He's talking about lots of doctrinal things. So he taught them well in three weeks. But how many of you know three weeks is a pretty short time plant a church so he got beat he got in trouble and as he was being uh thrown out of town they actually got a bail bond kind of thing from jason jason was one of those whose house they were meeting in and jason had to agree that he wasn't going to hang around so they kicked him out of town they kicked him out of town and so as he's gone now and now he's in corinth he's in another place (laughs) with a more challenging church in a lot of ways than the church in thessalonica And as he's sitting there, he's going, oh, I wonder how the brothers and sisters are doing there. I only had a short time to teach them. I wonder how they're doing. I wonder how they're doing. He kept praying and praying, wondering and praying. And back then, didn't have email, didn't have text messages, didn't even have telegraphs or snail mail, you know? So he had to send his buddy, his partner in ministry, Timothy. And we're talking a 2 100-mile trek. Go check out the folks. So given maybe 20 miles a day, which would be a generous journey, we're talking about a 10-day journey both ways. How would you like to have to communicate that way these days? <laughs> Don't we have it easy? Send. <laughs> you know, amazing difference. But as he, he sends Timothy, that's how important it was that he wanted to tune in. And so what we're reading today is is the report. It's the effect of the report that Timothy gives back to him and says, oh man, I got good news for you. I've got some really good news because there is a faithfulness that is, uh, that is living on. And this is where the encouragement happens. So if you got that uh, jotted in, that um, hope shared encourages, let's talk about some of those ways But Timothy has just now come to us and from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Hear that mutuality in that? Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged, there's that word, We are encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Jot this down. I used the word last week. It's not too big a word for us, is it? Relational proximity. Even though they were 200 miles away, which today would seem like several thousand miles away, even though they were far, he brought relational proximity by bringing Timothy into the picture and getting communication. Relationally, it was brought tenderness, close, sharing love together. And that encourages, God did not make us to be distant and distinct and so individualized. Our culture, even though we've got the most rapid communication, can sometimes seem more relationally distant than Paul and Timothy and this church in Thessalonica 200 miles away. I know people come to my office, they sit down and they describe themselves as 200 miles from every person in their life. Now, they are not. They're sleeping in the same bed with someone, and they're in the same household with someone, and they're in the same church family with someone, but they've got a shield around them that's hundreds of miles deep. So God's calling on us to enjoy what Paul had with the Thessalonican Christians, and that's a relational proximity. That's closeness that bounds beyond any distance in miles, any distance. And what it requires on our part is just what it required on their part, being open, being open, being open-hearted to the relationships that God wants to use in our lives. So uh, let's list some of the things that he puts down here that are part of that encouragement. First of all, he says, I'm encouraged by your faith. Are you catching that? He says, Timothy has come to us and brought us good news about your faith. Park on that word for a minute. Well, first of all, park on this word. See where it says, come to us and brought good news? Guess what word is there for the word good news? It's the same word we use when we talk about the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Guess what he's using that as? It's the only time in all of the scriptures that 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 word is used for a relational connection. I'm amazed by that. He says, the word I'm getting about your faith is just as exciting to me as the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, that's got eternal consequences, but guess what? So does the faith that's residing in these fellow believers. And he's more excited, not just about the facts... You know, give me the facts, ma'am. Just give me the facts, ma'am. No, he's excited that the facts are being lived out in the people that he's loved, in the people that he's sharing Christ with. He says, that is good news. I don't know if you get as excited or as, as jazzed as the Apostle Paul about somebody, another person, receiving the gospel, and that becomes gospel joy to you are you catching that he says i he came to us and has brought us good news about your faith let me ask you a question when you celebrate someone's life when you celebrate a loved one what do you celebrate well, they just graduated from high school. We're yay, go. That's worth celebrating. But shouldn't we be focused on their faith? No? Oh, they retired. Yeah, that's good. I mean, we we we, we celebrate people's lives in such menial and, and, and in a way temporary ways when what we should be zeroing in on just like he is here, it's good news about their faith. When you greet someone do you actually bring up how is their walk? How is their faith? How are they doing in their love relationship with Jesus? You know, that should be the center focus for all of us. How is your walk with God and your trusting of him? The very things that uh, Daryl was talking about this morning, that we're trusting him to, to uh, uh, provide for us. He was not focusing on the externals. He was focusing on the internals, their faith. Now, don't get me wrong. The life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus should be the focus. That's what brings us together. But it's not just raw facts. It's them being lived out. It's them being accepted. It's it's the trusting of Jesus on an everyday basis. Now notice he twins these two together, which so often happens. Paul loves to talk about faith and love. What's the third one? Faith, hope, and love. Now in the book of Corinthians, he goes faith, hope, and love, and puts love at the end and really describes love, because that's his emphasis in the book of Corinthians. Here, in this book, he really goes faith, love, and hope, and puts hope hope, especially in uh, chapter 1, verse 3, where it says your labor of love, your work of faith, and the steadfastness of your hope. So often the last thing that's listed is the thing that's emphasized in those lists. But here it's faith and and love. What did Jesus say in uh, John 13, 35? By this will all men know that you are my disciples. What is it? By your love for one another. By your love for one another. Uh, I, I kind of think of this like, uh, how, do you, how do you gauge your faith? <laughs> how, how do you gauge your, your gas in your car? You've got a little gas gauge that sees where you can't see, okay? The gas gauge says empty, full, in between. And the same is kind of true of our faith. You can't necessarily see someone's belief, but where can you see it? Where's the meter? In how you love one another. How you love one another is showing you how your faith is being expressed in actual living it out. Your love for one another is your gas meter, so to speak, on how are you doing in in your faith. Faith is unseen unless it's expressed in love. Love is unseen if it's just a feeling. But here what we got is love is shown. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. Notice what he wasn't excited about. It wasn't that they had pure doctrine. I mean, they were probably really, really minuscule in their, in, in their depth because there was so little ability to teach them before he had to depart, Okay. It, it wasn't in their organization. They were greatly organized. You know, that was not what he was celebrating. What was he celebrating? Their faith and their love. Their love for each other was so impressive, so uh, fantastic that he just, uh, that's good news, and that's worth celebrating. Now, not to downplay doctrine, but to say the only thing you really need to measure in your maturity. It's not how much head knowledge you've got. It, it, it's not how well you're doing even in your uh, external behaviors. It's the love that you're showing to people. That's the one way to measure your maturity. People are not mature because of the number of years they've been a Christian. Kind of sad, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's good news for those of you that are baby believers because you can outshine Someone who's been a Christian 15, 20, 25, uh, 100 years. Okay? Because it's not about what you know or how long you've been a Christian. It's about how much you love and how much you give yourself to that. He brought good news about your faith and love. Jot that down if you haven't already. Those two are in uh, unmistakable in in, in, in inextricably linked together the last one is uh eternal values eternal values relational proximity encourages and so do eternal values notice what he says he says uh for now we really live now we really live it's like he was saying i held my breath until i heard that you guys were all right and now i'm living you know how sometimes we say you should get a life well, Paul's saying, I got a life. I got a life. I heard the best news I've ever heard, that you've been faithful and you've been growing and you're showing love to one another. Now, that's good news. And he says, I can now breathe. I can now really live. I don't know about you, but I'm impressed by Paul. And I say, who is it that's that tender to me? Who is it in my life that, that I cannot wait to hear their thriving in their Christian walk, in their, in their life with God, and they're get, getting along with him. Who is it that's on your prayer list with that kind of tenderness? Now I can really live because I have heard that you are standing firm in the Lord. Notice again, he's not talking about external things. What's he talking about? Standing firm in the Lord. It doesn't matter if they're successful in possessions In material things. They didn't say, hey, you know what? We got a church building. No, that doesn't come up. You know, is he excited that they got brand new carpet and new comfortable chairs? You know, that's not in the text. What's the one thing he's celebrating so much? Ah, now I can live. They're standing firm in the Lord. Their firmness. In Christ was everything. He says, Now I can really live. This matters most. There's a lot of things that matter a little. (laughs) Focus on what matters most standing firm in the Lord. That's what matters most. Well, we got relational proximity, eternal values, and when we share life's uh, burdens, one more thing prayerful living prayer-filled living. Look at how many times the apostle talks about prayer. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? I mean, this is a prayer focus. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith this prayer filled living is centered on thanksgiving folks that should be the number one thing that we do in our prayer isn't begging god isn't kind of asking him to be the great vending machine in the sky and wanting things from him but we should be filled with what he's filled with here thanksgiving he says how can we thank god enough do you ever have that feeling i can't tell god enough How grateful I am for all the blessings He's poured in my life, and specifically some people. Some people. I was touched last uh, two weeks ago Saturday when uh, I walked in the building here, and everybody said "surprise." (laughs) We had people here from uh, my the first church I worked at in Tacoma. Twenty-five years, I haven't seen these folks in person. Some of them, I got to lead them to Christ. Now they're elders in the church, and it just was a blast hearing they're standing firm in the lord celebration how can i thank god enough how can i thank god enough for you guys every time i think of you my mind is is thankful and blessed thankfulness were the prayers for the people do you take time to thank god the people in your life and we try to uh put prayer requests together on a weekly basis. Um, do you take time to thank God for those that are on the mission field? We just added one couple on there, by the way, today or this week. Uh, Zach and Miranda um, Wilson going to the UK. Do you thank God that he's got workers out there we get to be connected to? No? Is that high on your list? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We've got plenty of requests. Those are good. Do your minds go instantly to those? Or do you spend some time thanking God? And maybe they're not even on the list. Because we tend to not do that enough. Thanking God for people. This weekend, are, are there people specifically who you know gave their lives for our freedom? I mean, it's Memorial Day weekend. You know, we stick flags on Cemetery and graves and stuff, but are, are we taking time today to think about those that are family members or congregational members that we're grateful for their sacrifice because that leads the way to our freedom? Thanksgiving. Here he says, How can I thank God enough for you in return for the joy we have in the presence of the Lord? What's joy? We've preached about this, about uh, Philippians and the whole joy thing. Joy, it's different than happiness. What he's talking about here in this joy, it it is supernatural delight in a couple of things. It's supernatural delight in the person of God. It's in the purpose of God, and it's in the people of God. When you have supernatural delight in the person of God, the purposes of God, and the people of God, that's where he's at right here. I can't thank God enough for the delight and joy that I have because I'm hearing this good news because of what's going on in your faith, in your trusting of Jesus, in your love for him and your love for each other. That is powerful, this joy-filled living. When believers share hope, life's burdens grow lighter, and he says, this is where thanksgiving comes in. Notice he says, I want to I pray that I can bring to you and fill in what's missing in your life. And When you thank God for people, when you pray night and day, he says, notice the frequency, he says, night and day, we pray most earnestly. So you have both the frequency And the intensity, both listed in that verse, night and day, and earnestly, or sincerely, or transparently. See, he's talking about having passionate hearts. And he says, I want to complete what is missing. I want to bring to you what is missing. It might be moral things, might be doctrinal things, might be practical things. In fact, the rest of the book deals with some of those things. In the next few weeks, we're going to be unfolding some of those aspects. Paul tends to do that, kind of conclude his letters with don't forget these items as well. He's not saying there's not things missing in their life. Can you thank God even though there's things missing in people's lives? Are you thankful for even where they're at? You know, there's always room for improvement, right? someone said that's the largest room on the on the planet room for improvement you know because we can all improve um now here's here's where i want to drag this one more place paul prayed that he would get to be the answer to his prayer you catching that are you catching that He says, I pray day and night earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. I'm praying for something supplied to be given to you that's lacking in your faith. And I pray that I may see you again and supply it. Here's the truth that God wants you to know. When you have a need in your life, 99.99% of the time he's going to send a person very rarely does God answer prayer in a, in a zap out of outer space kind of way. Now, he does do that. He does do that. But 99% of the time, in answer to our prayers, he wants to send a person. He wants to send a person to be the answer. Why? I don't know all the reasons, but he ties us in to ministry and into each other's lives. That's how we show love to each other. So we don't pray, well, Lord, support those poor children in Africa. He says, wait, 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 wait. wait. You have an opportunity to be a blessing to someone. What are you doing to supply what is lacking? Okay? He wants to use us. And he wants us to be thinking about the fact that we can be praying, but we can also be a part of the answer at the same time we're praying that. Isn't that amazing? Don't just pray, Lord, bless the missionaries. What if he's calling you to jot a note or make a phone call or send an email to the missionary? You could actually be part of the blessing to the missionaries. You catching the idea? That's where Paul's coming from here. He says, we prayed earnestly day and night so that we could come and see you and supply what is lacking. And we know what Paul's second missionary journey Guess where he goes. He goes right through there. He goes to Asia. He wants to see them. He wants to preach to them. He wants to share with them the love of Christ in an intimate and growing way. Instead of waiting for God to zap the answers, see that you may be part of his answer. See, hope shared encourages. It encourages our prayerful living. And when we are prayerfully living, we pray that God will make us part of, of the answer so second thing the power of a loving church <laughs> hope shared doesn't just encourage the word he uses here and keeps using is love notice it says it this way now may the, our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you Remember earlier he said, I kept trying to come and Satan blocked the way. I kept trying to come to you and Satan blocked the way. I kept trying and trying. Finally I sent Timothy to check it out. (laughs) I I tried a different method. He's saying, clear the way, Lord. Clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. Have you caught that? And for everyone else, just as he does as ours does for you may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our god and father when the lord jesus comes with all his holy ones so what you've got here is not just faith but love you've got those two twins stuck together and he says i desire to be with you paul wanted to be close he prayed for god's direction To clear the way. This was a desire to be together. So let me ask you how's your desire to be together? Our culture pushes the opposite direction. Our culture pushes toward individualism and isolationism and privatization and some would call it cocooning. You know, that's our world today. So, in direct contradistinction to that he's calling on us to want to draw close to want to draw close and to be encouraged by that their desire was to be together you know when hope is shared there's this mutual encouragement and mutual love that is shared in that you know a lot of uh a lot of war movies and uh, sports movies and that kind of thing they'll usually come to a crisis point where the battle is on the line and everybody's discouraged. It looks like there's no hope. And so often, in come the replacements. In come the second wave. In come those that are... And and everybody's hope, those that thought they could not go any further, they look around and they say, I can go further. I can do... And and they begin to have hope. (laughs) They begin to show love differently. And... God is doing that in this case. These brothers and sisters might be discouraged. Paul himself was like, I can't be encouraged because I don't know what's going on. And then he hears, and he's like, they're standing firm in the Lord, let's go forward. And he gets this mutual encouragement and the hope drives them together forward. In a very practical way, a year ago, the body of Christ here, we had several families that came and I just sensed it as a wave of encouragement for some who maybe were, were, their hands were getting tired and they were going, "How's where are we going to get some help? It's like, oh, I'm so thankful for some families that just jumped in, already trained, already loving Jesus, and said, come on. And, and I think for them it was like, we can do this together? And, and you just sense, that's what's going on here. <laughs> Paul's hearing of their faith and they're standing firm. They're hearing of Paul's drive and they're mutually encouraged by the hope that resides within them. And God wants to use your life and my life that way. In fact, he wants us to look one another in the eye and say, I thank God for the part that you're playing in that. You know, God's brought us a, a, a couple from Boise for the summer, you know, Caleb and Caitlin. I don't know, all I just want to hang out with them and enjoy them, and I love them, and, and I'm, I'm excited about them loving the body. Of Christ here and leading out in some ways and it's a feel that same kind of thing because somebody on the worship team that might be going we need help saying hey we got help thank you you know and that's the kind of dynamic that's going on here in fact I call it the power of a loving church there is no power on earth since the cross of Jesus Christ himself than the power of the cross in the church. The power of love in the church of Jesus Christ is the most powerful force on the planet. But it's got to be a loving church, and it can't be a fake church. It can't be a pretend pretend love church. It's got to be a radical, I love you because Christ has loved me church. And when we abide in that kind of love, nothing can stop. Nothing can stop the power of a loving church. Yeah, God wants to use us like he used this church. And he says, I want you to increase and overflow in your love for one another. Is that a prayer you pray? Lord, would you increase and overflow my love? Is that a prayer you pray every day? I mean, sometimes we think our love is capped. I can't love anybody else. You know, think about that for your families. You know, Lydia and I had two children, and we thought our love was capped. And then we had Jennifer, and we realized, I don't know what he did, but he just expanded our hearts because we have tons of more love. And that's going to be the case no matter what. And the same thing is true. You do not have, it's not a limited commodity when it comes to Christ's love. Relationally, we might be limited in terms of time, but he's calling on us to say, I want to increase. Look at that word, to increase and overflow. May he strengthen your hearts to be blameless. May your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. It's this passion for growth. And you guys, it's it's hard. It's not easy to be in love relationship. To be loving other people will cause big risks and people will let you down. There will be times when you get burned. There will be times when you have to make decisions and pick choi- and make choices and you'll have expectations put on you that you might not want, but folks, that's the, the air on that side, air on the side of passion for growth. That's what he's looking for. In fact, he says, "I want you to be so mature that when Jesus comes back to him, you look blameless. you look blameless that you and your hearts will be blameless and holy in the presence of God our Father when the Lord Jesus Christ comes for His Holy One. So He's living this life out with an expectation for the end, with an expectation for eternity and for that. That's the plan of His growth. Living every day with eternity in mind. So these bullet points, I'll just go through them real quick. How can God use you just like Isaiah said? Here am I, send me. In your uh, prayer life, seek to be the answer. Seek not just to say, God, answer that prayer somehow, but ask yourself the question, um, can I be the answer? In your church life, love like never before. Could this be a season of love in the body of Christ here that we would be saying, God, we began to taste what Paul and the Thessalonican church had in it, a love that grew Amazingly, give yourselves away, and uh, you will get a hundredfold back. One more thing this summer, could you choose three, build three new friendships? Build three new friendships this summer. Maybe one would be someone that's ahead of you that you need to be mentored by, like Paul had Barnabas, remember? Maybe one would be someone that you can pour into, someone that's younger in the Lord like Paul had Timothy to pour into. Maybe one would be a a, a peer, someone who's going to challenge you and say, come on, come on, we can do it. Would you challenge yourself to grow three new relationships in the next three months? That at the end of uh, August, the beginning of September, be saying this was a summer of relational proximity, of relational love growth in the Lord. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for giving us this huge and phenomenal model and example of your love and your grace. Lord, we're asking as we uh, head into the summer that you would allow us to experience the power of a loving church greater and, and, and deeper than ever before. We're looking for that, Lord, because we love you. We want all that you have for us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.